Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Thank you so much for participating in communion and for all that you've done. Um, I want to ask you a question today. And it's, it's designed to get you to think about your life. Is your life going well? Is it going the way that you plan for it to go? Are you operating in the life that God promised you? Now, it's easy for a person to pretend the facts of your life, the details of your life. Do they line up with what you said should be in your life? Now, I've learned you can get married and act married and hate marriage. Some people just don't like it. It's just a burden to them. How do you feel about the details of your life? Especially when it comes to your resources. Tell me what it's like to be broke. Let's have a broke testimony. <laughs> Talk to me. What does it feel like when you don't have enough? Awful. Raise your hand so I can see here. What now? Can't pay attention. No, no one said that in all three services. That's the first time. Somebody else? Frustrated. Insecure. Insecure. Where you hand? Raise your hand. Isolated. Where? Anybody over here? Yeah. Hunger. It's motivating when you're broke. Get some money, huh? <laughs> it's motivating. What else? Talk to me. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I got to see who's talking to me. Yes. Stress. Where? where? Angry. Fear. Depressed. Mm, man. Jealous. That's, you know, one said that either. That's honest come up in here showing off your new car and I'm riding the bicycle. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that is really honest. I like that. Because it's true. It's just true. I mean, you just, you just hate them. No, no, you don't. No, no you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Who, where was it? Yeah. Suffocating. That's a new one, too. It feels it. Suffocate. Can't breathe. Bondage. Yes. Like you're drowning. Yes. That's honest. Like a failure. Man. Can I just freeze that one for a minute? Man. <sighs> Went to school, worked all these years. One, one lawsuit. Puts everything at risk. One unfair client <laughs> that you told and warned them, and now they want to sue you. Yes. Say it again. Mm. Sleepless nights, Lord have mercy. Toss left, toss right. 
just awful. What's it like after all the years of reading the Bible and praying and teaching the Word? All the years of doing your best. All the years of raising those children. And they want to come take your house that you raise your children in. Your car. But we sometimes, here's our biggest problem. We have accepted it too long. But I believe it's time for you to prosper. Keep going. Come on. Give God a big hand clap. Now, I want to show you something today, and I, I, I gave you a big thought, and here's my big thought that I've, I've noted for you. I have noticed that people who prosper have an intentional desire to prosper and are willing to do what it takes to reach their goals. Generally, these people see beyond themselves, and they work with a strong sense of purpose. Are you prospering and doing well? Because that's what prosperity really means. Oh, English word that simply means to be doing well. And that's not, there's not a dollar amount attached to that. There's not a house size attached to that. There's not a car type attached to that. That's just the question I want you to think about. In my opinion, am I doing well? And, and next week, you're going to see that some of you think you're not doing well, but you're in the season when you're not supposed to be doing that well. There are seasons when you're challenged. And that's okay. And we'll talk about that next week. But let me, if I can, talk today about prospering for a purpose. And let me start in Acts chapter 2. Now, you're going to be surprised with my take on Acts 2 because normally when you talk about Acts 2, you talk about the power and the falling of the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's centered around this great feast day they had called Pentecost. And they all gathered at Pentecost, and it was a wonderful celebration. In Acts chapter 2, the church starts. It's the first time Peter speaks after Jesus' death. And it, it, they say they were all gathered on the day of Pentecost in one place, and let me read it to you. You see what he said, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, this great feast day, celebrating the harvest, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as fire, and one sat on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them the words or the utterances. Now, I could spend a lot of time talking about that because it's really part of the favorite part of the Bible that people like, especially if you're Pentecostal, right? Talk about the power of the Spirit and tongues and beat my fist on the pulpit here. But I don't want to focus on that part. The first part is what I want to focus on. They were all with what? One accord. Say, they were all what? what? And where were they all at? They came to one place, and they were all in one accord. That's what I want you to see. They were all unified. That, to me, is important. If you skip down, Peter kind of comments on this. He prophesies, he, well, prophesies, he quotes a prophecy from Joel of the Old Testament. And chapter 2, verse 17, here's what he said. Peter speaking, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He looks at all these people coming to God and all these people at the altar worshiping God, and he says, 
I'll pour my spirit on all flesh, your sons, your daughters, to prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my maidservants, and on my manservants, I'm sorry, on my men servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven. So they all came together in one place, and they were united. They were sons, daughters, young men, old men, and servants. A beautiful moment. But notice the third point here I want you to see. They were all economically strapped. <laughs> this is evident in chapter 2 because it said, watch this now in verse, skip down to verse, uh, well, verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word, those who heard Peter's sermon, were baptized. And how many people came? What's the number? Excuse me. How many? 3,000. Do me a favor. Hold up three fingers. Say 3,000. 3, now, what can you do with 3,000 people? Just think. I, I never thought about this. 3,000 people. Now, many of them were traveling from, over, from out of town, so we understand they didn't have jobs and they were, you know, but, but you had how many people? 3,000. 3,000 people. And what they had to do to survive, verse 44 says, now they all who believed were together and they had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as were, as anyone had need. So this is uh, the year, by the way, AD 30, okay? And uh, what year is it? AD 30. And they had to share resources to survive. It's noble. I think it's great. We all chipped in, helped each other. It was great. But notice chapter 3. Peter makes a statement that we often sidestep, but the leaders were strapped too. He goes to this guy sitting by the temple. The guy wants an offering. He looks up at Peter. Peter says, I don't have any money. Silver and gold I do not have, right? But such as I have, give out to you. Now, Peter had a family, so he had to have some kind of money somewhere. And we're not trying to say he was broke, 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 broke. But there was an economic challenge. And you see that throughout the ministry of Jesus with taxes. And they, had, they ran into financial issues. When they were with the 5,000, they didn't have enough food to feed everybody. They ran into financial issues. Here's what's impressive. Go to number five. When you get to chapter number five in your notes, I'm going to take you all the way to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Now, I'm not going to read chapter 8 and 9 to you because it just takes too long. And I just don't want to do that. What I want to do is just quote from a commentary source. A guy named Wolver wrote a great commentary, Bible knowledge commentary. And here's what he says. In these chapters, chapter 8 and 9, Paul arranged for Titus and the brothers to help the Corinthians gather an offering for the poor saints in Judea. This is A.D. 57. Chapter 1 of Acts is A.D. 30. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 is A.D. 57. They were poor in A.D. 30 and struggling. They're still struggling 27 years later. That's all I want to say. How long will you struggle? 
Just a thought. I'm not, I'm not mocking anybody. I'm just saying they were spiritually in tune. They were praying people. They spoke in tongues. They danced. They, they had great revival. Thousands of people came to God. But I want you to see they're still raising an offering. Nothing wrong with it. It was a good cause. I'm just making an observation. 27 years. Thousands of converts. But it didn't change anything. Big churches, thousands of members, doesn't change anything. Promotion, raise on the job, now over the region, doesn't change anything. Is that your future? Now, again, I've got to be careful. I'm not putting down anybody. I'm not saying the church wasn't, wasn't great. They were great. They did great things. I'm just simply making an observation. Thousands of people in one city couldn't figure this out. You can have a church with thousands of people, and they won't figure it out. Let me help you figure it out. You got five family members. All of you are broke. Everybody is living in a broken down house. One of you has a car that's really, really good. And you all hate on that one person with the good car. They always drive by in their old shiny car showing off. That's the one you call when you get stuck on the side of the road. Because you know you only got one family member you can call, right, when you get stuck on the side of the road. Well, these people, five families, five families, would never consider in some settings, why don't we get together and get a, a, a house, this is going to make you nervous, a, a house together? Why don't we do something together instead of all of us being broke? and coming together talking about how broke we are. Families don't do this anymore right. in this culture. Right. But go, go to the, go to the uh, convenience store <clears throat> and look who's working there. The whole family. Pool together, probably live together, drive in together. You see one little raggedy car in the driveway. You rarely see a Mercedes or anything like that, by the way. You normally see them driving a used car. It's in the back of the store. And they all pool together, make money together, and eventually everybody gets a house. Everybody helps everybody. Everybody shares in everything. And uh, you see that their kids go to college and get master's degrees and doctorate degrees. And, and if you're not careful, you'll miss how they did it. They were in one place and one accord. Come on, I'm preaching good. Are you hear what I'm saying to you? Come on, say one place, one accord. That's why you can have a big church, and it's a big broke church. Thousands of people. And everybody's just, and the pastor, he's up there trying to keep everything going. He builds these buildings that, that are like evil mortgages. $100,000 a month, 80000 I got no one, 300000 a month, every 30 days. Now that's good, that's good, that's, it's nice, it's beautiful, 
Oh boy. When you go in there, you feel angels flying around. <laughs> and people say, Whoa, look at your church. And then they leave. <laughs> Got one, if they cut the lights on, it's $25,000 to cut the lights on. That's the truth. Yo, it's nice, though. I, I, I preach there. It's beautiful. I said, ooh, yeah, Lord. But we be bringing candles. <laughs> Here's the problem. Your family will never get to the place as a group that they could get because they won't unite. And if you're not careful, your church can be the same way. You say, it can be, it can be, and I see guys do this. They have all these schemes to get you to give, you know, all these things they do, all these things, you know. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you how, uh, I'm going to let you in on the secrets. You want to know all the little secrets? I'm going to give you the secrets. You ready? Here's one. Tell people a specific amount, inspire them to give, and tell them they're going to get something out of it, and God's going to bless them, and then they'll give it to you. So I'm going to have a mock offering. You ready? <clears throat> You ready? How many of you want to be blessed? What am I doing right now? A mock offering. What am I doing? One more time. Come on. You go tell somebody, I did this. One more time. What am I doing? And this is a lot of pressure. I mean, I, you know, when I first started preaching, I, you know, I, <laughs> a lot of pressure. Because I, 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 I just like preaching. You know, I just get up and tell you what the Bible says and sit down. But you can't do that if you want the lights to stay on. So here's a mock offering. You ready? How many want to be blessed with the Lord? How many of you need a blessing from God? Come on, raise your hand if you're with me. Come on, that's what you normally say, right? Well, here's what you do. Now, now why should God bless you? Why should God give you something? Now, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some principles that will help you. Then I say a whole lot of things about, you know, get y'all stirred up and convinced you. God said, quote from the Bible verses, put it all in there. Salt, pepper with a couple of smiles and testimonies and look at my watch god bless you with a watch like mine and my shoes you know say, tell you something like that you know and then get you all inspired tell you how god worked a miracle in my life and how i was broke one day and then the angel came by dropped some money on me i tell you something like that get you all excited get you all pepped up and say aren't you ready for being blessed today yes. there you go praise god and here's what i need you to do i need 50 of you to get a hundred dollars in your hand right now 50 of you to get a hundred dollars and I'm, I'm not, not normally i'll give them a hundred dollars i don't have a problem with that because I see through all that. He's trying to pay the light bill. I, I understand. I understand his burden. Matter of fact, I feel sorry for him when he starts. Go for it, boy. <laughs> I, I be praying for it. I be, I be praying for it because I know what's happening. You know what I'm saying? I know how it is. I, I, I was in a church. I'll tell you this story all the time. I, I've said this before. I was in a conference. There was thousands of people there, thousands of people. And, uh, and, he, and, and the preacher was up there, and he was, and it was thousands, thousands. I mean, thousands, about 8,000. There was a lot of people there. And, um, and then somebody came by. Um, let's see. Uh, do, do me a favor. Uh, uh, my brother. Uh, yeah, here. Yeah, come here. Here. Bring me this paper. Yeah, come on. Here. You, you're going to deliver me this paper. This is the offering. Okay? This is the offering. You ready? This, this is on a little piece of paper. I'm going to sit down. I'm, I, he was sitting there, and I was sitting behind him. Okay, come on. Come on. Come on. Bring now he be, so he, this is the often report. After the offering was taken and everything, and he gave me, thank you, thank you, God bless you, God bless you, bless, bless you. Oh. 
he, he came all out of the spirit. He was shaking. He was moving his legs and, and just nervous. And then he showed it to the person next to him. They said, well, they started passing a little paper around. I said, what is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? I was trying, <laughs> I was trying to see what it said. When I saw what it said, I started shaking for him. He spent $300,000, $500,000, $300,000 had this big event, and, and all he had was $27,000. Oh, see, you shaking? Look at you. You shaking already. He's about $300,000 short. I said, oh, Lord. Glad I don't owe that. Now, that wasn't right. Come on, and that was not right. Come on, say amen now. Everybody had a good time, and they would not give anything. That's a, pot, a sad place to be. They were not united. You see, I, I believe this. If we're in a family, we should not have 10 members of our family struggling, trying to pay student loans, trying to survive. I just don't believe that's God's will. I don't believe it's God's will. But the reason we're like that is we're not in one place in one accord. I think that we're divided. And I think that's what causes the challenge. And when you, when, you, when you step back and you say, this is why guys in these offerings do what they do, they're trying to survive. But see, to me, that's short-term thinking. And don't you listen to me carefully. That's not prosperity. It's, we should just be living well. We should be doing well. We should be doing things to touch people's lives. I want you to stretch your hands out in front of you like this. Say, I must reach full. I'm 58. You know what starts to happen when you get to be 58? People tell you, oh. They do. They, they look at you differently. And they, 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 you know, and, and, you know, just all kinds of little things. They ask you stuff like, did they have TVs back in your day? And <laughs> and you can stop dreaming. You get to the place, and it's not just 58. Some of you say, no, Pastor, 38. It, before you know it, things start changing. My life starts becoming, uh, some of you say, no, Pastor Rick, 28. Well, some of you. Well, amen. <laughs> God, God, has an God has the ability to, to bless us and guide us and anoint us and help us. But you have to make up in your mind that you are not going to allow yourself to be a victim. And I want to show you something in the Bible here that will help you see that that's not God's will for you. Look at the text for me, and I want to show you this was never God's plan for people who obeyed him. If you look at um, a, a text that I, I, I just tried to find a shortcut because I was going to go through this whole other explanation. But what I want to show you is the balance of challenge and trials and then the promise of blessing because that's the challenge. Now, the early church had a season of challenge. That's okay. It's nothing wrong. I'm not condemning them or anything for that because that's part of my journey. I have dragons. I have trials. I have challenges. That's part of my life. That's part of living. 
you're going to run into those issues. But here's what you got to balance that against. He did make a promise to me, and I can talk about that. My question is, okay, so how do I get to this place of promise? And here's, here's what I think happens. A lot of us just accept where we are. Before I read Deuteronomy 28, a lot of us just accept where we are and think, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to reach forward anymore. I'm not going to dream anymore. I don't have any more plans. You don't have anything written down. You don't have any goals you're working towards. You're just accepting where you are. I, 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 I know that I've had this dream. Okay, well, God, I'll get to a certain amount of money, and I'll get to a certain place, and then I'll be there. And then the Holy Spirit says, why don't you do something else? You've done that. Do this. A friend of mine made a statement to me that I'll never forget. He said, if you're not financially challenged, you're not doing anything. You need to be doing something that pushes you. You need to be doing something that makes you need more resources. You need to, God says God will supply your needs. Say that with me, please. Come on. God will supply your needs. Philippians uh, says God will supply your what? Needs. He only supplies need. If you don't have a need, that's why you don't have any money. Sometimes you, you need to create a need. I need God to give me millions of dollars because I got a lot I want to do. That's, that's my, my, uh, my life. I'm supposed to help people. I'm supposed to go to mission fields. I'm supposed to find people who are hurting. I'm supposed to. And so God supplies my needs. So I need to always be courageous enough to create a need. The problem is I tend to want to have no needs. I want to live a life with no challenge, but that's not possible. So I want to be clear. It's okay to have a trial. These people were starting an early church. It was a beginning. I understand that. But here's the thing I, here's the thing that came to me. Okay, I get the fact that they started a new church and they started something that was expensive. They had thousands of people. But, but 27 years, at some point I just think we can do something if we band together and change this reality. We don't have to stay in the same place. And there's something that happens when you decide, listen, okay, I get the trial part, I'm gonna have challenges in my life, but I refuse to be a person who's sickly all the time. I refuse to be a person who just allows my life to just go down. I mean, look at me, come on, amen, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I refuse to let that happen to me. I mean, look at, and this is just the truth. I, I've said this before. My, my stomach is not saved. It, it won't do right. You know what I mean? If I don't watch it, it just comes out. And, I, and I'm, I'm working on it all the time. You know, I'll be, I'll be up here like this. I mean, and, and when you're slender, it looks really bad. You know, you just, the side pose is really tough, you know? And, and so on video, I'm always, you know, you'd be trying to hide it all the time. So I have to work on this. I have to work on it. I have to eat right. That's a big part of it, trust me. And all this stuff. And, and so I have to say, no, I'm not doing that. And here's my point. I, I have to be determined to do that. I, I, Ricky Temple, you, you, some of you are too comfortable. You're comfortable where you are. You've accepted your life. You accepted, I'm dying. You act like you're dying. You talk like you're dying. And you, and you don't need to die. Come on, say, I can live. Come on. Come on, say, I can live. Come on, say it again. Come on, say, I can live. You don't have to be financially broke. You don't have to, you don't have to stay where you are. Your marriage does not have to be this hold on to our teeth and survive thing, it can be really great. But here's the key. The key is you have to make a decision. And here's what, here's what he promised you, and I'm done. He said, if you cooperate, this is important, if you obey, seven blessings promised to the obedient. And those are the people who cooperate. That's all it means. Deuteronomy 28, 10 verses. Here's what he says. You'll benefit from being obedient if you cooperate. Verse 1. Now, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, 
that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Number two, you'll be blessed wherever you live. If you're obedient, if you, if you cooperate, the Bible says, verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. See, it doesn't matter where you live. You can live in Georgia. You can live in Alabama. You can live in, it doesn't matter. He says you'll be blessed everywhere. Verse 3, verse 4, number 3, you'll be physically blessed if you cooperate. Notice, not only will you be blessed in, in every city, but you'll be blessed physically. Even if you're challenged, see, even if, even if you're fighting Mr. Pollard, it doesn't matter. Blessed the Bible said, shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, offspring, your flocks, your stocks, your mutual funds, your 401k. Look at verse, number, number, verse 5, number 4. Your harvest baskets will overflow. That's where you would store your blessings. He said, blessed shall your baskets and your kneading bowl be. Verse 6, blessed shall, shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. You will be blessed as you go about your life, if you cooperate. See, it's all about what he promised you. If you look at number seven, he said your life will end up in a good place if you cooperate. Verse eight, the Lord will command, I'm sorry, verse, um, verse seven, uh, you will be blessed when you face your enemies. Verse seven, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated. Before you are faced, they shall come out against you one way and flee before you, how many ways? Seven ways. Verse eight, the Lord shall command blessings on you. Now watch this now. Your life will end up in a good place. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. My life will end up in a good place. Now listen to me carefully. That's if you cooperate. That's what he promised. I have a right to believe this. I have a right to expect this. But see, it's all centered around us doing what we should do. And I think the problem that we have sometimes is if you look close at families and you say, this family is complaining, but this family is not uniting. This family is, is praying prayers to God that can never be answered because this family has decided to be individualist. We are go I'm going to have mine, hopefully get yours, and that's it. But it's when you, Diana and Ricky Temple, band together and say, listen, uh, this is not what we hope for. And so what we're going to do is we're going to change. We're going to change our approach. And we're going to look at this differently. And we're going to unite. It's when Ricky Temple and Diane Temple and Ricky Jr. and Christina and whoever put them all together, put all the temples together. It's when you, what is your family name? Come on, you got to know your family name. What's your family name? <clears throat> when you know your family name and you band together as a family and you say together as a family, when a church bands together and all the members of that church, every time you see a pastor getting up there doing that, that's an embarrassment to the members. And that says that the members of that family have not gotten it together. And it's also true when you see a family. When you see a family and, and you, you got 10 of them, and, and, and what's really sad is you're really ashamed. Those are good words. You're frustrated. But here's the key. Unite. Unite. And, and I want to pray a prayer for families today. I want to pray a prayer for you. And I want you to stand with me. And I want to believe that God is going to do something in your family, in the world in that you come from, that will change this forever. I believe that God wants your family whole. I believe that God wants your family well. 
And I believe that everything in your family can turn around with a decision. It's, it's, it's a decision. If I can go back through the early days of my marriage, what I would say to me, unite. Unite. Envision. Trust. Work together. We work together, but I would do even more. I'd make a bigger effort. And I'm telling you, as a church, you can have a nice pastor. You can have, if you're not united, it doesn't matter. Because eventually, it all falls apart. You're in business. You and your business partner. I went to uh, do some business with a, a company once, and the business partners fussed in front of me. And I looked at them, and I said, guys, I'm going to leave and let you guys work out your business differences, but I'm going to give you some advice. You two need to figure this out before you call clients in. Because the strife between the two of you makes me not want to do business with your company. And I left. It was absolutely ridiculous. They were disagreeing over price in front of me. They were disagreeing over how, and I thought, you know, hey, time out. I'm not involved in this. I'm not on your board. People watch you. People watch how you and your kids interact. You're a single parent. You got to unite. You got to unite. You're not going to get anywhere beating and slapping your kids around and knocking them down and acting like they're not, they don't have a voice and, and you're not listening to them and cussing at them and yelling at them and threatening everybody. So who wants to unite with you? How can God bless that? You know what's really amazing? I watch people come and listen to me and they hear what I say and they go, that was really nice, but they don't implement it. I've been here for 35 years. It'll be 35 years in December. I'm telling you what I know. I, um, I cannot succeed without my wife. I cannot, no, don't clap. I cannot succeed without you. I don't care how dynamic people are and what you think, it doesn't matter. We can come here, we can all shout, fall out on the floor, and you can say, we sure had church, but if I can't stand your guts up close, if you don't like each other, if you fight each other, if you got this, but not, we don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm, here's, I'm not talking about anybody because in my, in my world, I go to them. I, I don't have anybody in my mind. I'll tell you, because I'm current. I, I go to anybody, and I resolve issues privately. I don't preach it from the pulpit. Come on, say amen. So don't think, I wonder who he's talking about, nobody. I'm just telling you how it works. And so I want you to, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your world. So let's pray a prayer for you today. As a matter of fact, before I pray, if this sermon has touched you in some special way, ah, my time is gone. Y'all got five minutes? Okay, give me five. Come on down to the altar. If this, this touched you in some special way, give me a minute. Just come on down. I'm, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take five. I promise. Only five more. I promise. Come on down. Come on down. This touched you in some way. I don't know which way it touched you. I don't know how it spoke to you. I don't know what part of it spoke to you. I don't know what 
what specific area in here kind of reached in your heart and mind, kind of made you move, move your spirit. Brother Barry, would you move this for me, please? Take this over there for me. Would you appreciate that water, too? Thank you. Let's pray for you right now. Come on down. I'm waiting on you. God, today, I thank you. We must prosper for a purpose. The purpose is so that we can touch the world around us, make a difference. But also so we can get on with life. Some of us have been too bound with this too long. And so, God, today, would you lift your hands? I want to pray for you. Father, heal today. Strengthen today. Deliver today. Give them strength. Let this be a time of great deliverance and strength. I pray that the areas of their life where they struggle, the areas of their life where they feel defeated and frustrated, I speak healing to them today and declare that you will do for them what only you can do. And I pray, God, that your spirit, would you pray this prayer aloud with me, please? Say, in Jesus' name, I lay this at the altar. I am committed to uniting. I'm committed to changing my life direction. Now, Lord, I also pray for this church. I pray for all those who are members and some who are thinking about joining. Let this be a time of healing in their lives. Let this be a time where they say, this is my church. This is where I go, and I'm going to be a part of this fellowship. Pray for this fellowship. Pray for its leadership. I'm not going to just be here. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would bring power and strength into our church and help us unite to make a difference in the world we live in. And I give you all glory and all honor in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Now give God one big hand clap. One big, come on, shout amen. Come on, praise God. Now I want to say one last thing. For some of you, your problem is you're united with too many people. You have too many things on your plate. I have a very specific set of relationships that I'm united with. Um, I'm committed to the prison outreach. And so I'm committed to going to so many prisons in a year. And that's with the Department of Corrections. That's part of my group. I'm committed to a denomination I've been, um, we, we're independent, but I'm licensed with a group called the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. They are a wonderful group of people that I am committed to. And I, and I, I will be engaged in their missions program. I will go preach for them at least once or twice a year someplace overseas. And that's, that's a, so you understand, I, have a, I submit to that. There's a group called CAP, Christian Alliance of Pastors, that I'm committed to, helping train new pastors. And I go about once a month. To, and so I have, I have specific things I do in my schedule. I'm committed. If you're, you need to, this, you can't be united with everything. Sometimes people ask me to do stuff and I can't do it because I've got my five. Come on, say, I've got my five. Come on. So I have five or six relationships that I'm committed to. And so I, I, I work those five. You see, some of you have 15. You've got too much you're trying to do. You need to slim down your list. You're trying to unite with too many people. Your family is too spread out. Too many people visit you. Too many people are engaged in your business, in your house. You need to thin it out. Diane's day is what day? Monday. Thank you very much. What day is that again? Say it again. Monday. It's Monday. Is that tomorrow? <laughs> I'll be on a date all day. 
When is your day? What's your goals? Hold your hand. Hold, hold your hand. Get your five. Get your four. Some of you need three. Some of you need just two. Slim down your list. Get focused. If this is your church, let it be your church. Come here, give here, serve here. And everybody's not going to serve here. Let me just say this. Everybody's not going to. This is about 500 volunteers. Everybody's not going to serve. So, I mean, how many of you do something outside in the community? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Let me see. Put my pie. Yay for you. Yay for you. Everybody's not going to do something here. I understand that. But this, you should pray here. Give here. Serve here. Fight here. One, one place. One accord. Say it with me. Come on. One place. One accord. Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you for all that's been said. We thank you for the gift of five more minutes. We pray you bless your people as we leave. Anoint them. Strengthen them. Heal them. Now, with every head body, every eye closed, last prayer. If you say, Pastor, my life, what you said is really important, but my spiritual life is not. I'm not, I'm not, in, a, I'm not in a relationship with Jesus, and I need to be. I want to start a life with Jesus today. I want you to pray this prayer for me. So when I leave you today, I'm saying my walk with God is, is, is where it needs to be. The Lord wants to establish you as a holy people to himself. That's his plan for your life. If you want me to pray a prayer for you to start your life right with God, raise your hand so I can know I'm praying for you. I want to see 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Anybody else want me to pray for you? 13, 14. 15 people, 16 people, 17 people, I see you. That's it. I pray for these who raise their hands, some who raise their hearts. Those home and those here. Healing and grace to them today. Let this be the day they start their life with Jesus. And let this be the day they say, Jesus, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for your forgiveness and for the chance to start again. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. Well, God bless you. Are you glad you came today? Come on, I hope you're glad you came.